Hello, and welcome back to the Try Hard Fantasy Football Podcast. It's the preseason. While the NFL has decided to forego this much-anticipated, highly engaging process, we will not. We are brave, and we are heroes. By we, I mean myself, your gracious host, Stephen, and with me, the Justice League to my Avengers, the Walmart to my Target, Brian. Hello, Brian. How are you doing? Again, ouch. I see a theme coming over <laughs> in the first two podcasts we're recording. I don't I don't think I'm going to like this. Um, but but so we're going to yeah. do our preseason um running back tier list and oh, I screwed up my joke. I was going to say today we'll go over our very own Aquaman's running back tier list. I think to to go along with it the It doesn't even make sense. That was You're the worst of the Justice League. <laughs> Um, Cyborg is way worse than Aquaman. Oh, that's true. It doesn't matter. That's it true. doesn't matter. Yeah, there's a, it gets bad, especially if you get into like the lesser known characters outside the movies. But even in the movies, it gets bad. But that, that's neither here nor there. It is the preseason or what we have this year. And there are no games, but I think that's actually a plus uh, in some ways because we don't get any or as many false impressions of players when we look at their box scores in a preseason game and see that some seventh round running back ran for 200 yards and then everyone flocks to him. So I think this might actually help a lot of fantasy players by providing less worthless information for us. I I actually had that written down before uh, for the intro and I decided not to. I decided to not write that down. So I agree with your, I agree with your take there, Brian. Um, the the running back tier list that we'll be going through is is Brian's, uh, he and I will be commenting on it and asking him questions and challenging him on it. We're in areas where he's clearly wrong, um, but we will have these listed uh, on our website, uh, which will be linked in the podcast description, also on our Twitter page. Um, the name of the website is uh, I'm not sure yet. It's basically whatever wix allows me to have for free so it might be like at wix or something that's i don't know but you, there will be a clickable link so i don't know if anybody actually <laughs> actually types in website pages i website names these days but there will be a clickable link on the podcast description and and, and we will work on getting page. you a, an easier way to explain how to get to a website it's Besides, 2020 steve i think everyone can get there let's let's move on to yeah. actual news and stuff yeah, by the way, you said you had some news you want to talk about. Yeah, so and some of it applies to our running backs uh, this week, so it's uh, very pertinent. Uh, but first, uh, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey signed some major contracts, so congratulations to them. Um, nothing too fantasy-wise or fantasy-specific to talk about there. I don't think anyone expected either of those players to uh, be in any other team anytime soon, uh, but it's good to see. Uh, other than that, that's more fantasy relevant. Uh, number one, Dalvin Cook said this week that he is a full go for the Vikings despite not having a new contract. Uh, so that's an improvement and yet more evidence that his previous statement that he would hold out was nothing more than posturing. And I think poor posturing given the current CBA prevents players from holding out or severely punishes them if they do. Uh, but it's good to know he's admitted he's going to play for the Vikings, so I think he's a safe pick, or at least as safe as he always was given his injury history. 
And then finally, uh, the Patriots have done the Patriot thing and signed Lamar Miller to a very minimum contract. Uh, Miller is not really a fantasy-relevant player, I don't think, but this further muddies the backfield uh, with the Patriots adding a fourth running back that we'll see touches this year. So uh, it's just something to note. It basically just moves down all the other Patriots running backs. I don't think it uh, has any impact on positively on anyone there. I'm, I'm sure uh, you you could listen to some ESPN podcast and they can talk about all of their players' talent and why you should still draft them. Because for some reason, on other podcasts, fantasy podcasts, they don't like to talk down about players. They don't like to dismiss players. They like to talk up everybody and talk about their talent and their, you know, their opportunities within an offense when most of us are thinking like, oh, really? I thought that person and, isn't going to get anything. It, it, that's true. And moreover, every single player apparently is a good late round value. <laughs> because it won't, it doesn't cost you anything to draft them. But that's true of everyone. That's why your last three positions are, you know, our four roster churning. You're gonna add and drop those guys after every after every week. So yeah, I mean, and that's where all the Patriots running backs are. But yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't like when people act for fantasy like you can't hurt these players' feelings. You know, players shouldn't be taking it personally, and and fantasy analysts should be honest. If somebody's not good. And not good for fantasy. Just say that and don't say, well, they might have some value if you can get them in round 18. Like, who cares? I have value if you want to draft me in round 18, you know. Mm. But uh, but anyway, let's move on. Let's actually get to the tier list, Steve. You know, the, right, anything you want of this. Any, like, disclaimers you want to say before you talk about – we talk about so your So the only, only thing I want to point out for these tier lists um, – and this might be a small distinction to some people, but I think it's important, is that this is a tier list for where you, I believe players should be drafted. It is not necessarily and was not designed to be a ranking of how I project each running back to finish. Uh, and, and the difference there is upside and possible floor and risk are taken into account uh, with where I pick players as opposed to a projection. It's It's... It ends up hurting guys that would be like for running backs, guys that you guarantee are going to get like 150 points. Um, you know, maybe like a James White or something. James White will probably, speaking of Patriots running backs, will probably end up finishing the year with more, uh, you know, with a points ranking that's above where I would put him in the tier list. But since I don't think he has any true upside to finish much higher than what you would just expect him to do. He's going to be ranked lower when I draft because you need to draft upside. That makes sense. Should we get to it? Yeah, let's go. Okay, so uh, in tier one, so we have eight tiers. Tier one are should there shouldn't be too much uh, arguing here. Although uh, there is one player that I'm concerned about in tier one. Uh, so we got CMC one overall, Saquon, Elliott, Cook. And Kamara. Um, I have concerns about Kamara in your tier one. I, I know your early drafts of your tiers, you were thinking about putting him in tier two. You moved him up to tier one. I'm wondering why you did that. Yeah, so let me just say, I mean, I think these are pretty universal. I think the only question is some sites might have Kamara even over Cook. Um, but for me, I would say it's really, there's a tier 1A, and that's the top three guys, McCaffrey, Barkley, and Elliott. 
they are rock solid superstars. They're gonna get their touches and they're gonna produce. Um, I almost considered putting Cook and Kamara in their own tier two, but didn't want to end up with two different tiers at the top with three and two players in them respectively. I just didn't think that made sense. So these are all guys I, I'd love to have on my team. I'd be super excited to get one any of the top five draft picks to get one of these guys. Um, and that's because even with Cook and his injury history and Kamara with his you know recent injuries last year, and his kind of unique usage rate for a top running back um, are really good because you know their roles. And so with Kamara, the biggest thing is that um, even last year when he had a quote-unquote down year, he and he played just 14 games, and, and a lot of that was played through an MCL injury, he still is on pace for 284 fantasy points, which would have made him RB7 overall. So not much worse than what you're drafting in here. And more importantly, in 2020, given the pandemic that's going on, given how little practice time there is, the fact that Kamara is a known player on a known team in a known system is a huge plus at the top of the draft. At this point in the draft, I want certainty, and he offers as much certainty as anyone else. He's just not quite as good as the top three guys um, or quite, you know, and doesn't get the same role that Delvin Cook can get when healthy, which is why he's number five. I I am not a Kamara believer. I would take I I see him as uh similar to like uh your James Conner. I don't I don't see him as the I see him as a p- good player in uh in a good offense, but if he's not 100%, if he's not being utilized, um uh, he's not going to make the most out of it. He needs he needs the um the workload. So if he's sharing I, I, anything I, I or that Michael Thomas is true. getting, if Michael Thomas is getting so many, um, so much of the targets, I just, I don't, I don't I like mean, Kamara, I, I don't know. Kamara's been rock steady all three years of his career. Um, I thought it was you know, one, he's gotten 81 receptions. Terrible. And he, yet he's still, last year wasn't terrible. Mm. He, he was injured. It was down. You didn't get. You didn't get value for him since he went in the first round and he was more of an RB2. Uh, but, I mean, he still had 81 receptions last year. He was, you know, he had he was on pace for his most um, receptions and targets for the year, on pace for most yards in his career. He was having a pretty good year. His touchdown rate went down. It regressed to the mean, actually, because his touchdown rate had been absurdly high his first two years. But I, I still think... He is a very similar player to the guys in Tier 2, but for me, given that you know where he stands on his team and you know that he's going to get the work as long as he's healthy, um, I I think that elevates him. So I'm happy with him, like, to take him fifth overall. Like, these five so running you, backs, they're my top the number, five picks. If you have the number five pick overall, you would take Kamara over Michael Thomas? Yes. Wow. And we, we'll get to that more when we uh, – get to the wide receiver tiers probably in our next podcast. But, yeah, um, I want any of my t- tier one running backs over a wide receiver, just given the respective uh, depth at running back and wide receiver this year. Well, okay, let's move on. So, tier two. So, tier one, CMC, Saquon, Elliott, Cook, and Kamara. Not too, not too big of a deal there. I like um, – I agree that – 
Cook and Kamara in their own little bubble, like 1A. Um, but Tier 2, this one is a little bit, uh, well, I'll let you explain. <laughs> so Tier 2, these guys are all great players in really good situations. Every one of them I expect to get you know, 70%, if not more, of their team's running back touches. I think all of these guys, one of these guys is the best pure runner in the NFL, and the other four are outstanding um, receivers in addition to being good runners. Um, and so the Tier 2 guys are uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kenyon Drake, Derek Henry, Austin Eckler, and Miles Sanders. And for me, yes, they are in that order, which is probably going to be con- the most controversial part of this. Um, but these are other guys. I'm happy to draft any of these in round one. I would take Michael Thomas or, frankly, probably Devonta Adams over these guys. Um, but I wouldn't fight you if you wanted to go the route of forcing a running back in round one and took Clyde Edwards-Hilaire with the sixth pick and just skip the wide receivers. I think that is ludicrous. Like, okay, so the guy is a rookie. Okay. There's no preseason, so there's no opportunity for him to practice the playbook at, like in live football. Um, and uh, I, I just I see Daryl Williams getting a chunk, a, a big chunk of the first three or four games uh, work. And if Daryl Williams proves to be like a good running back and and is blocking the way he should and is uh, um, running the way that he should as a starting running back i don't think that we see much of clyde like i i when you wrote this note to me i just couldn't believe you were bringing up daryl freaking williams you actually typed damian williams that made more sense that maybe you just had forgotten momentarily that damian williams opted out but daryl williams and you know excuse me to his family and you know to him but i don't mean to be personal but he's he's not good at football He's not a, a an NFL starting running back. He had 41 carries last year. He averaged 3.4 yards per carry. He only had 15 receptions. He was healthy most of the year. He isn't even a lock to be the second uh, string running back for this team. He's fighting Darwin Thompson, who was a hyped rookie last year. Well, okay, you know, put kind in, of a sleeper. Put like, in any name Clyde, instead instead of Clyde but, Edwards. But, but that's my point. But th- there's no one else. With Damian Williams opting out, the, the, the Chiefs, excuse me, have no one else. Edwards Hilaire is the starter. He's going to get the workload. Historically, Andy Reid has much preferred to have a workhorse back. Um, the Chiefs GM, head coach, offense corner, everyone have said they weren't planning on drafting a running back. But when CEH was there with the last pick in the first round, they had to jump on him. Andy Reid said he was better than Brian Westbrook, who had a superstar career for the Eagles and Andy Reid. Like, there's no doubt in my mind that Edward Solaire is getting the the touches and going to get the looks. And just and just remember, yes, he's a rookie. Yes, there's not an offseason. But running back is the one position where rookies not just succeed, but, like, become superstars in year one. Look at recent players that were drafted in round one. Ezekiel Elliott, in his rookie season, rushed for over 1,600 yards and had 15 touchdowns. In Saquon Barkley's rookie year two years ago, he had over 1,300 yards and 11 touchdowns, not to mention 91 receptions. Like, a running back can be great, and the starting running backs for the Chiefs is going to be fantastic. I would put, and if, if, if 
Clyde Edwards-Alaire tore his ACL right now, and you told me Daryl Williams was going to be the starter, no doubt, for the year, he would be probably a top 20 running back for me just because of the role, even though I don't think he's actually that good. But so Edwards-Alaire looks like that he's point. good. I agree. And he gets the role. I just, I just don't see how you can pass up a guy that has a legitimate shot to be the number one overall running back at the end of the year. I think you're overestimating like the the use of the running back in the Chiefs offense. I know they use them. I know they catch a lot of passes, but he's a rookie. No preseason. Two other options. I preseason just, game. Remember, he wouldn't play in the preseason anyway. Like the preseason games don't matter for starters. He Edward Hilaire would get maybe twelve carries across the entire preseason if they had it. Like they're they're so so he's not missing games. He's missing some contact and work. But again, running back is different. He doesn't have to run, do a complex route tree or memorize things. He just needs to know when the quarterback says A, he runs to gap one. And that's it. And, and as long as he doesn't completely fail at pass blocking, which it doesn't seem like Andy Reid is concerned about at all, he's there's just nothing stopping him from getting the opportunity. He is certainly the most risky pick of tier one or tier two of in the first round because he's a rookie, but that hasn't stopped us from drafting rookie running backs before when they've been drafted highly. And it's, it's paid off in the past. Okay. I guess, I mean, I, I don't, I disagree, but um, we don't have a, a betting structure. So <laughs> I would, I would say that, uh, all, all of your tier three running backs, except for maybe James Conner and Todd Gurley. Um, so like Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs. So you think Edward Schiller will finish outside the top 15 running backs? Is that fair to say? I think he, I think he'll be in the top 20, but I think he'll be 17, 18, 19, 20. Yeah, so outside the top 15. I yeah. definitely would bet he'd be a top 15 running back this year. We'll see. <laughs> we'll come back to this later oh no we'll come back to it weekly <laughs> <laughs> probably um let's all right, move on so, that's, that's a lot of time on one guy so in your tier two is you've uh you've got kenyan drake next which why do why even bother why are so many people so high on he had like one big game and like what? i don't understand why people actually care about kenyan drake um, so he had, I would say eight big games. So he got traded at the trade deadline to Arizona last year, as everyone knows, he played eight games for the Cardinals over those eight games. He was the fourth best running back in fantasy. If you extrapolated those eight games to a 16 game season, he was a three on a pace for 319 fantasy points. That's almost 20 points per game and would have made him RB two overall last year. He has no competition on this team other than. Chase Edmonds, who was there last year and who's been on the Cardinals for a while, they don't they don't see Chase Edmonds as a viable starter. Kenyon Drake is another player in a great position with an offense that wants to run as many plays as possible and loves to throw the ball short uh, to the running back, especially. I just he's he's another guy in a huge role, and I basically expect him to roll over his success last year into this year. Um. You know, I easily think he's in line for 70 plus catches and 200 carry, you know, 200 plus carries. And that will give that volume alone will allow him in that offense to 
have true fantasy success. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to keep saying okay when I disagree. How's that? <laughs> I, Super I, engaging. I, I mean, if I have pick seven and Edwards Hilaire, Hilaire and Kenyon Drake are there, I, I'm not interested. So you're going wide receiver with those two, it sounds like. I'm either going wide receiver or receiver or I would rather have Derrick Henry, which is your next, your number eight, than over either of those two, because you know, you know his workload is gonna be enormous. I mean, I gave my thoughts on that our last podcast. You know, like I said then it Ezekiel Elliott is the only guy in the last six years to have multiple seasons of over three hundred carries. So I, I don't know that Derrick Henry maintains such a high workload because he takes such a beating, but we'll see. Uh, but for me, I'll take the upside of Edwards Hilaire and Kenyon Drake over Derrick Henry. Okay, so with these last two, Eckler and Sanders, 9 and 10, in your second tier, I want to contrast them with the first person in your third tier. Because, like you were saying, each tier is like, there's a there's a discrepancy, like a, bit, a decent amount of fantasy, like, expectations between the two tiers sure um so i'm wondering why you have eckler and sanders who are going to be getting you know 60 70 percent of their um running back touches why they are higher than your uh your homeboy your you know your your love james connor which is number one in your tier three sure so i mean obviously and and we should note, too, while you're grilling me about why isn't James Conner in Tier 2, um, I have him probably 20, you know, probably 10 to 12 spots higher on the running back list than almost anyone else out there, and probably at least 20 spots higher in the overall rankings uh, on him. I love James Conner, as you said, and as I said last week. But for, for me, I guess I'm pricing in the chance that maybe James Conner isn't as good as he was in 2018. And so he's a little bit below Miles Sanders, who broke out last year as a rookie, and Austin Eckler, who's been steadily improving every year. I, I mean, that makes sense. Um, but James Conner, to me, if is this where you want him to be? Or is this a little, you, a little safer? This is where I would draft him. Um, and, and that's where I would draft him if other people are also buying on him to be frank in most fantasy drafts i'd probably wait like this is where i'd probably draft a wide receiver because i know i could rate wait at least around beyond where he'd be draft you know instead of round two i know i can get james connor around three maybe even round four without worry so i so you you don't have to draft him here this is just where i think he belongs okay and and we're personally like i'd take him over any of the guys in tier three and certainly the guys in tier four Speaking of the guys in Tier 3, the other guys. So we just ended Tier 2 with Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders as the last couple picks. So it's in Tier 2, it's Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Kenyon Drake, Derrick Henry, Austin Eckler, Miles Sanders. In Tier 3, we start off with James Conner. He's the top of that tier for you. You have him above uh, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, and Nick Chubb, all in Tier 3. Um, I'm wondering... I don't really have any questions about Joe Mixon, um, aside from, you know, why he isn't in jail. But uh, for for someone like Aaron Jones... We aren't the moral police here. We're just keeping it to fantasy. Oh, whatever. I, I cannot stand it when 
when uh, some people who cannot be named because I will have people knocking at my door um, say that we're not judging them based on the type of person they are. We're judging them just simply based on their fantasy value. Like, to take, I'm surprised they haven't gotten, like, I know a lot of people that actually listen to this stuff aren't going to like this take, but I'm surprised that those people that say that, they're ju- that they're judging these players simply based on what they're worth in fantasy. I'm surprised those hosts aren't getting, like, Black Lives Mattered <laughs> because it's a very, like, um, plantation-y <laughs> Um, I mean, I, I think the problem is you, you have too many players to follow along. But uh, I di- that's yeah, not, I, mean, I disagree. Like the whole mentality of of players, the whole like what they say is why why are you why are you painting a, a with broad strokes on all of us over a couple of these people? Yeah. I, well, or the entire like most of the Chiefs and Bengals and Browns rosters. Well, yeah. <laughs> anyways, anyways, um, Joe Mixon, uh, number twelve. Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. Um, I don't have questions about Joe Mixon, like I said. But Aaron Jones at thirteen, I, I don't you, I, I don't want to give people a pre. I, I will. I'm going to give them a preview of your wide receiver tier list. You have Devonte Adams very high, in your oh, yeah. wide in your wide receiver tier list. So you're expecting touchdowns. Are you saying that all of Aaron Jones is touchdowns, or not all, but a lot of his extra touchdowns he got last year are going to Devontae Adams? Because I don't see that happening. Um, No, but I see Aaron Jones' touchdowns going to a mix of tight ends to Jamal Williams, to A.J. Dillon, um, to Aaron Rodgers running the ball in. Uh, I mean, Aaron Jones was the number two overall running back last year. It hasn't happened in the last two years. They just keep giving it it to Aaron Jones. And that that can happen, and that's fine, but I'm not going to draft planning on that to happen. So he scored 19 touchdowns last year, and you never really project a player to score more than 14 touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey might be the lone exception, and that's because he gets a ridiculous amount of targets and carries. But... I think Aaron Jones is probably more likely for 11 or 12 touchdowns at the most. And if you look last year, uh, one of the few good things or best things ESPN does is they do do articles on expected touchdowns. They call it OTD. It's like opportunity-adjusted touchdowns. And Aaron Jones was expected to get 10.8 touchdowns last year. And that makes sense to me. So he almost doubled that. So I think he's really just going to regress in that department, um, and especially because the Packers drafted A.J. Dillon, who is a ground-and-pound short yardage back, and I think is going to vulture a lot of red zone work, that I expect Aaron Jones to lose about 30 to 40 points just in touchdowns this year. And if you take that plus combined, you, we've got to expect you know, Jamal Williams to be somewhat healthier this year than he was last year. And if he continues to get double-digit touches every game, that's going to eat into Aaron Jones' workload even more. So I just expect a lot of touchdown and other regression for Aaron Jones. And I just am not buying him being a top-10 running back this year. I feel like this is a convenient take because you're a Vikings fan. Hey, the Packers just gave $70 million to a defensive tackle. I'm. I love the direction the Packers are going as a Vikings fan. I will say that. So does Aaron Rodgers. 
That actually worries me. Aaron Rodgers is one of those players. He plays good when he's angry. Like, if he has a chip on his shoulder this whole year, I, I actually, that makes me want to draft Aaron Rodgers in fantasy because he'll, he'll go out of his way to give himself all the stats. That's uh, but that's neither here nor there. Let, let's move on. I mean, Aaron Jones is a high upside play. I don't think I'm that far off where most people are ranking him. But. Well, you are a little bit off on uh, your number 16, and, and your last player in your tier three is Nick Chubb. Yeah, I mean, I talked again. He's another guy I talked about uh, on our first podcast um, when I was talking about him and Kareem Hunt. And frankly here, he's one of those guys, you know, you asked me why I didn't just put James Conner in Tier 1. I think it would have been fair to ask me, given my thoughts on Nick Chubb, why I just just didn't stick him down in Tier 4. That's where he probably belongs, given I see him in a timeshare. But uh, I'm just not buying him. Like, he's good, and he's going to get work. I don't think he gets all the work. I think at best he gets 55% of the running back touches uh, this season for the Browns, and Kareem Hunt will get the other 45. And I just don't see how Nick Chubb can become a top 10 running back with that small of a workload. And in these rankings, as I said, I'm not – you know, making them based on where I project players, in which case Nick Chubb is probably ahead of a guy like Todd Gurley, who we'd all expect to get injured or have a reduced workload. But Nick Chubb just doesn't have a lot of upside. So I'm not I'm not going to be drafting Nick Chubb at all this year just because I know he's going to go in round two, and I'm not drafting him probably till round four. But that's perfectly fine with me. I, I agree with where Nick Chubb is. Um I know a lot of people don't. I think they prefer to see him up in like the eight, nine, ten range. Um, but I agree with with where you have him. I don't think he's going to be. I think he's a little bit overrated right now. Um, but I'm surprised you have Josh Jacobs and Todd Gurley ahead of Nick Chubb. I'm su- not really surprised by the Josh Jacobs one. I think he should probably be. Um, Maybe at the top of tier three or the or the yeah. I mean, I think two. I'm low on I think I'm low on Josh Jacobs compared to you know the fantasy pundits out there. Besides us, uh, people are really high on him. I don't get it. I to to me, I don't see a huge distinction between him and a guy like David Montgomery. I mean, they got similar workloads. They both had exactly 242 carries, and Montgomery actually had five more receptions than Jacobs is 20. Um, Jacobs did it in just 14 games. So like, I get it. He's better than David Montgomery. Don't get me wrong. You know, Montgomery's nowhere near tier three, but Jacobs just is not an exciting guy. Um, and so I just, I just don't see where the hype is for him. Uh, again, I don't see how he finishes. it. Like Jacobs maybe sneaks into top 10, you know, he gets the ninth or 10th best, uh, running back score this year. I don't see how he ever gets anywhere near the top five though. Like he's just not going to have an elite season. So I don't know why you Didn't draft you him like he might. He's going to catch 60 balls this year. Yeah, sure he is. He's going to jump from 20 to 60, even though the Raiders drafted two different players in the third round that are gadget-type wide receiver running back hybrids. <laughs> um, Todd Gurley. Like, how scared are you to draft Todd Gurley? I, I'll be honest. I don't think I've drafted him once in all the mocks I've done, and I really don't plan on drafting him because I'm terrified. But I know there is a 15%, maybe 10, 15% chance that he's old Todd Gurley and is incredible. I mean, like, 
the talent's there. It just worries me. The The Falcons have even said they don't know what kind of workload he can handle. I think it's telling that the Rams let him go, though we can't say for sure because they gave him such an outrageous contract that they had no choice. Even if he was still really, really good, if he's not a Hall of Fame running back, they couldn't pay him $15 million a year. So he's really an unknown at this point. Um you know, to me, it's it's how much risk are you willing to take at this point in your draft? The smaller the league, the more likely I'd be able to take that risk. Like, I certainly don't want to touch Todd Gurley in a 16-team league where I'm counting on him every week. But Well, so let's say you have, you're in a 12-team league and you have pick 10. And it comes around and James Conner's there. Todd Gurley's there. Um, Aaron Jones is gone. Jacobs is gone. No, Jacob's still there. Mixon's still there. So let's say you I mean, take Connor Mixon. Yeah, would you you take Connor Mixon over to Connor Gurley? Oh yeah, absolutely. Give me. So how, I actually how, love that because Connor is my upside pick there that has some risk, and Mixon is that really steady guy that's almost assuredly going to finish between running back fifteen and running back ten. Well, would like you there's be almost all there's a spot for him? Would you be more likely to take Connor Mixon or Connor Julio Jones? Connor Julio. So you so you'd want Connor at the beginning of your tier three, but you would not back it up with another running back. No, I, I mean I'd take Julio over Connor. So like when we get to the wide receivers, Julio's there's like three or four wide receivers I have that I would take before these uh tier three guys. They're like my tier two wide receivers. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree there. I'm I'm not super interested in a lot of these tier threes. I'm I'm more interested in the tier fours over the tier threes. Yeah, um, I found myself really focusing on getting one of the top two tiers of guys. Basically, take a running back in the first round, and then in the third or fourth round, get another running back um, from tier four. That's that's how I've been liking my drafts the most as well. All right, so tier three was James Conner, Joe Mixon, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs, Todd Gurley, Nick Chubb. And now we're moving on to tier four. And Brian's ludicrous top of his tier four. It's, I don't, I have you 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 have some explaining to do. I don't understand this at all. But at the top of your tier four, you have Melvin Gordon. Can you explain that to me? I think you owe people an apology I, I, and explanation. I don't. I don't. I, to be honest, I don't even know which way you went. You you think I have him too high, huh? Oh, insanely high. So, Melvin Gordon is just a better all-around running back than anyone else the Broncos have. I, I grant you, Philip Lindsay, whom I like as a player, uh, especially as a fan, just to watch. I think he's a fun electric guy to watch. Um, and But he's a good fantasy asset, and I think he still gets his touches. But Melvin Gordon expects still to get the 60% of the workload, and that's what he had last year with the Chargers, where he still averaged 15 points per game when he in the games he played. So remember, Austin Eckler was phenomenal, you know, had over 300 fantasy points last year. Melvin Gordon still was on pace for over 230 fantasy points. What is this so on that, pace for? Like, he could well, have one really like, good game and be on pace for a lot. Like, Okay, well, he – but he wasn't. He had a solid workload. He got his 18 to 20, tu- you know, carries a game and a couple targets a game, you know, three, four targets a game. So, oh, um, I have a question. Oh, I have a like, question. In he's the, just a solid guy. In the rest of your tier four, you have so you have Melvin Gordon at the top, and then Chris Carson, David Johnson, David Johnson. Why is um, Leonard Fournette, David Montgomery, and Liv Ampel? 
of all of your tier four, who gets less carries? Who who do you who would you project to get less carries than Melvin Gordon? Bell, Carson, Johnson. Fournette Carson, Johnson, and Bell get less carries, or and targets less carries and targets than Melvin Gordon by the end of the year. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Johnson might get more, but John Johnson's got Johnson's a bit. Johnson's the unknown in this one. I like him a lot. He's probably my favorite guy to target in this tier uh, because in this tier I love upside. Uh, but for me, again, Melvin Gordon's going to get his 20 to 22 touches a game. I, I just don't see any way around that. I, I, I don't, don't think I'm so. I'm not buying the Broncos' offense as much. Exactly. Um, but, That's my point. If he's sharing if he's sharing touches with Philip Lindsay and the Bryan, and the Broncos' offense can't create first downs, like I don't, I don't see how Melvin Gordon is going to get his I mean, touches. But you've got – so just going in the top, you've got – you know, after Melvin Gordon, you've got Chris Carson. He fractured his hip in December. He's still working his way back. It looks like he'll be healthy, but I don't expect him to take a full workload right away. And I think as long as Penny is healthy for the Seahawks, they're going to give him touches. I mean, they spent a first-round pick on the guy a year ago. Um, David Johnson was just traded for by the Texans, and granted, Bill O'Brien is going to showcase him because he's got to prove that he's not a complete idiot in that trade. But the Texans also gave up a third-round pick for Duke Johnson last year, and I think he'll take some of the passing game work, especially away from David Johnson. And that's David Johnson's best attribute is his pass catching and and what he can do with the ball in open space. So there's concern there. Leonard Fournette got 265 carries last year and 76 receptions, which is an insane workload and still did, like, nothing with it. Uh, he maybe gets, like I said, gets more touches than Melvin Gordon, but I don't expect them to be high-value touches. Um, the Jaguars also signed Chris Thompson, who, before you like say anything and yell at me, he's not a great player. He's not really fantasy relevant, but Jay Gruden likes Chris Thompson. You know, Jay Gruden coached Thompson in Washington, where Thompson had a lot of success. So I think he takes some work from Fournette. Montgomery shares all, like gives away all the passing game work to. Um, Treat Cohen. Cohen and Le'Veon Bell is despised by his head coach like in public and the Jets are trying to sign every running back they can find to just slowly eat away Bell's touches so there's I don't love any of these guys this is basically just the last tier of of you know quote-unquote workhorse backs but I don't think any of these guys have huge upside maybe other than David Johnson and that's a you know pretty risky bet so I just think Gordon's the most talented of this tier, and he's healthy. Okay. <laughs> I'm just going to change my tone when I say okay now. Okay. 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 Ugh. I, I, I would take uh, – so let's move on to tier five. And I would take any except for two. Actually, I would take the first four <laughs> in your tier five over – I would take any. I mean 60%. Over Melvin Gordon. So in your tier five, you have this. This is the tier. Like this is these are the players that I want as my number two running backs. And Ooh, see, I, I I actually just want to jump in and interject there. I will say in a lot of my drafts, I've really been targeting to get three of the top four tier running backs. So three of the top twenty two running backs on my roster is something I've really been targeting for because. 
once you get to tier five and especially beyond tier five, you really lose any kind of role or production certainty. Yeah, but go on. I agree. I think up through tier five, you have all viable players, but I think I find the tier five players that we'll list here in a second um, to have much higher upside than tier four or tier three players. And I know I, I may, maybe I sound crazy when I say that, but um, so in tier five, so this is number 23 running back overall is Devin Singletary, uh, then Jonathan Taylor, who like who um, he plays for the Colts, uh, then Kareem Hunt, Raheem Mostert, Tariq Cohen, and James White. I think Tariq Cohen and James White are there because they catch a lot of passes. Um, not really interested in them. I, I don't usually like to actually have gadget players on my team, especially as like number two running backs. But um, that's just yeah. Me. I'm with you. I like them much more. That's why I said I I really am targeting. Uh, but Devin Singletary, guys why do you hate Devin Singletary? I I don't hate him. I just don't think he's going to get the role that he needs to get 240 touches and join the tier four guys. Um, I love him as a player and the bills have had a history of running backs where I really like as a player and they just don't produce in fantasy. And I think Singletary is unfortunately destined to be another one of those guys. Um, and a lot has to do with his quarterback. Strangely enough, quarterbacks don't usually really affect their running backs too much other than being terrible and, you know, causing the offense to go three and out all the time. But Josh Allen is a guy that both likes to throw the ball downfield and never check down, which means fewer easy catches for Singletary, and also likes to run the ball in at the goal line, which means fewer free touchdowns for Singletary. And so that combination, uh, plus the fact that the Bills just have seemed hesitant to give him a full workload, uh, makes me more concerned about him. He's really close to Tier 4 and Especially if you wanted to put him ahead of Le'Veon Bell, I would not really argue with you. Um, but for me, especially like when I've been doing drafts, I'm easily taking David Montgomery and the guys listed above him before Devin Singletary. Interesting. I would take uh, Devin Singletary over anyone in Tier 4. Wow. You're going to have Devin Singletary on a lot of fantasy leagues then. I probably will. Um, Jonathan Taylor, I don't know who that is. I assume you mean Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, I mean, who doesn't miss JTT, for those of you 30 and older? But, uh, no, I mean, no, rookie running back for the Colts um, seems like an insanely good option. A lot of people thought he'd be the first running back taken in the draft. Um, you know, the Colts have kind of a new offense this year, given they have Phillip Rivers coming in as their QB. That's going to change things up a lot from Jacoby Brissett, uh, both in terms of skill and in just scheme. Um, Cause Rivers is kind of a, you know, can't move. So he's got to dump the ball off or use, you know, short passes. And I think Taylor's talent is going to win over Marlon Mack pretty quickly. And he'll take over the, the feature role in this backfield, which is why I have Taylor so high and Mack uh, so low. But it's basically, I mean, this is where if Jonathan Taylor wasn't drafted by the Colts, I'd be taking Marlon Mack. So I just kind of view it that way. Okay. I don't totally disagree with that. Um, Cream Hunt, Raheem Mostert, such a run-heavy team. 
the 49ers, and you have their starting running back. So Raheem Mostert's projected to get just as many carries, if not more, that, uh, than players like Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery, Todd Gurley, Jess Jacobs. Like, I mean, some people might project that, but I don't. I, the 49ers are a running back by committee team through and through. Kyle Shanahan's always kind of done that. I know they gave Mostert a modest raise to appease him this year and that he was excellent for the 49ers at the back half of last year and especially in the playoffs. But Tevin Coleman's not going away. They're not just going to completely forget about him or not give him the ball. So I just I don't see Mostert having a true featured role. And I'm not buying that he is necessarily as amazing as he looked in a small sample last season. I, He's another guy that, because of where I have him ranked, like he won't be on many of my fantasy teams this year. I don't expect. I don't um, disagree with that. I just think because of the workload, I think he'll get uh, a heavy workload because I think Treat Cohen can't stay healthy. And um, Flash. Treat Cohen. Not Trey Cohen. Um, Tevin Coleman. Tevin Coleman. Yeah, sorry. And yeah. Uh, and Flash. What what's his name from Jared the McKinnon? Jared McKinnon. He's not going to be able to make it through <laughs> one game. The preseason. Yeah. <laughs> the practices. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think... no. I really like Jared McKinnon. It's too bad injuries have really kind of ruined his career. But he got paid like thirty million dollars, so you can't feel too terrible for him. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I think out of necessity, Raheem Mostert will become uh, the lead back there. I, I mean, he is the lead back, but I mean, like, more so even in the past game and, and stuff. But uh, it's not super important. Hopefully you have two running backs before you have to decide between Raheem Mostert and Tree Cohen. Yeah, I mean, I think we agree. I mean, we don't want if, – if Mostert is your RB2, you have some concerns on your team, or you're in an extremely deep league. Uh, Tree Cohen, James White, that's about where they should be. I'm, I mean, you have Tree Cohen over James White, which – I assume means it's because Tom Brady left, but um, yeah. I, do you have any idea what the Patriots' offense is going to look like this year? Because I don't. It's going to look like tank for Lawrence. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tank for Trevor. Yeah. So let's move on to tier six, and in tier six, there's a lot of players. I guess I'll I'll just list them. I mean, you can follow along. I'll just list them quickly, and then we'll talk about a couple of them. Um, but that's Cam Akers for the Rams, Mark Ingram, DeAndre Swift. I'm, I'm saying the name of the team as well if I don't know who this player is. Um, <laughs> DeAndre <laughs> Swift for the Lions, Tevin Coleman, Latavius Murray, Sony Michelle. I've heard Matt Breida. Oh, Matt, Matt Breida. Um, Sony Michelle I've moved down since the oh, that's right. okay, Miller yeah. news. But, uh, um, Matt Breida. Breida. I, I always hear Breida. I've all, I heard someone say it today. Uh, Breida? I don't Oh, really? I've only heard Brita. Uh, Jordan Not Howard, Brita. Adrian Peterson, and J.K. Dobbins for the Ravens. Uh, notice how I said his team, because I have no idea who J.K. Dobbins is. Uh, but, uh, so what you these, mean is you're saying the name for rookies. That's what you're doing. You're saying these, the team name for rookies. Um, you, you're pretty low on Jordan Howard. I mean, I don't think so. I I know... He's better than I, – I think Jordan Howard is a better NFL running back than the NFL seems to think, which, granted, I probably don't know enough to even try to make that argument. But he's been productive everywhere he goes. I just – he's always in a timeshare. And I think he's in a timeshare with Matt Breida again. 
and Brita, I expect to get almost all the passing game work, which is the most valuable in a PPR league. Um, I don't, I, I don't actually know if we mentioned, but I mean, these are PPR rankings. If you go down to, you know, you know, no PPR, Jordan Howard jumps over Matt Breida easily and probably over ahead of a couple other guys. But he, again, just, he doesn't excite me. And like, I just don't see how he gets much he more than 900 yards and a handful of touchdowns. He doesn't make you all tingly inside? No. No whapping. <laughs> to quote Cardi. I don't I don't think they ever say whap or wop in, in the song. But no, anyway. but we're not saying what they actually say in the song on this podcast. <laughs> um, you have a backup over Jordan Howard. I find that interesting. Latavius Murray, you have over Jordan Howard. Yeah, so... Going back to kind of what you were saying about why Alvin Kamara was in tier one for me, your argument is the argument I would make for Latavius Murray being here. He has shown, and the the Saints offense in particular has shown with Mark Ingram before this, that their RB2 is very fantasy relevant and usually ends up as a top 30 running back. So I have Latavius Murray outside of that as the 33rd ranked running back. And I think that's where he ends up if... Kamara stays healthy. But if Kamara gets injured or gets COVID and misses a month, Latavius Murray becomes a superstar player. He jumps up into the top 20 easily. And that's something, that's an upside that I don't really think anyone else in this tier possesses outside of maybe J.K. Dobbins. So for that brings up a good point. So let's say, you know, you have your stud running backs, um, Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook, one of them gets COVID, all right, and they have to sit out for an extended period of time. I assume it's like it'll be like a week um, if they don't show symptoms, and then I, I don't even know how long they'd stay out if they show. Yeah, symptoms. I, I, I personally don't see how anyone can show symptoms and be out less than a month, given what you would have to do as the protocol. And I think yeah, a positive test probably means you're missing at least one game. So is that? Does that change the way you want to draft a backup running back? So, like, if Dalvin Cook got COVID, that increases the risk that Alexander Madison also gets COVID. So, like, yeah, so, do you want to draft the backup to your running back, or do you want so to draft I've the been, backup to someone else's running back? Yeah, sorry, I keep interrupting. But, uh, yeah, so I've been thinking about that, and I've been struggling with how – I would run my team if I was in charge of an NFL team versus how it seems NFL teams are running. So obviously and normally teams have position meetings and like all the quarterbacks are in rooms together doing quarterback work all the time and whatnot. If I was running an NFL team, I would be focusing much more in keeping my starters together, my backups together, my number threes together so that you're not, if you lose your starting wide receiver, you're not losing your third string, your second string wide receiver as well. So you've lost his replacement. Um, it doesn't seem to be what NFL teams are doing uh, based on what we've heard and like what we've seen on hard knocks uh, in the first episode this season with the Rams and chargers. So that makes it more contentious for me, but given the way professional sports leagues have treated positive tests so far. I don't have any concern anymore that like if Dalvin cook tests positive, 
they're automatically going to quarantine anyone he's been in contact with, as they probably should, like for medical reasons. But you think they are going money, to quarantine people? No, I don't think they are. Interesting. Uh, so I think what would happen is they would then do a test on the backup, you know, anyone he's been in contact with, and if they haven't po- tested positive, they're going to get to play with no restriction. So for me, I am actually leaning heavily, much more than I normally would, in handcuffing my starters with their backup. Um, I get the argument that maybe if you draft Dalvin Cook, you don't want Alexander Madison, you want to draft Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott's backup, so that you can get someone else's upside. But my problem there is that doesn't address the concern you're trying to address with a handcuff. Because just because Dalvin Cook misses time, that doesn't mean Ezekiel Elliott is also going to miss time. So, And if they both miss time, they might not align right to where you can actually make use of your backup. So I definitely want the backup for my stud running backs if they have a clear, skilled backup. So that's probably limited just to the Vikings, the Saints, the Cowboys, the Cardinals, and the Eagles. Outside of that, I don't know if other teams have a clear guy that I'd love to have. Like Christian McCaffrey, there's not a backup for Christian McCaffrey or Saquon Barkley because no one on their teams can do what they do. Um, Same with the Titans. No one is Derrick Henry, so they're not just going to replace him with somebody. Um, I think the teams I mentioned all have a backup that's – we know his name, which is important, and we know that they can at least replicate the starter's skill set to some extent. Makes so that's how I think that's a really good question, and that's something people have to decide this year. But that's how I'm taking it. I'm going to actually focus more on getting the backup. Like if I have Delvin Cook, I absolutely want Alexander Madison on my team. So and normally it would be a nice to have. This year I think it's a must have. So in your tier seven, moving on, be uh, moving past tier six, uh, you have the Bucks, the Bus, and Philip Lindsay. Oh, the busts. Yeah. I thought you said the, the bus at first. The bucks? Yes. The busts and Phil Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, so so tier six was like the final fringe starters in fan, like for their NFL teams and the best backups. Tier seven is where you get to guys that we have that we are likely to be backups or just very much wild cards. For the Buccaneers, I prefer Ronald Jones over Keyshawn Vaughn or LaShawn He's McCoy. He's learning how to catch. Yeah, just because he's been in the system the longest, but I don't love any of them, and I don't expect any of them to have a huge year. I think this backfield is going to turn into kind of what the Patriots' backfield was. I think Tom Brady is going to kind of bring that in where he wants certain guys in for certain situations, and that's how it's going to go. Um, I, I, Lindsay, honestly think, I honestly think that there there's nobody uh, in the Bucks' backfield that you want, and I don't think like it really matters because they have two – Great pass catchers in Godwin and Evans. They've got a decent, uh, sometimes overrated tight end. And I just, I don't think you want, I think they're going to want to teach these Bucks running backs how to block and yeah. <laughs> how to, how to pick up blitzes and where, <laughs> and how to take dump offs maybe like once or twice a game. And I don't think it's worth, I don't think they're worth anything. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't, I, if you don't, like a lot of times I won't draft on my teams. None of the guys in tier seven or eight will end up on my team other than the direct backup for my first round pick. Uh, 
Because, yeah, I want to get running backs that are ahead of these guys that have real upside. I mean, Carrion Johnson maybe has upside, but he's been getting hurt so much in his short career, and the Lions don't seem to trust him that they drafted DeAndre Swift early in the draft. I have said my piece on Philip Lindsay. I'm not buying. He gets a huge workload and enough to be, you know, really valuable in fantasy. Well, he wasn't really viable last year, and now he's sharing carries with some. With some yeah, guys, yeah. So. And now there's a better now there's a better running back on his team than there ever has been before. Um, Boston Scott might be the most interesting player here, and that's just because the Eagles don't have anyone behind him, so it's just him and Miles Sanders. And Miles Sanders is still you know a very young player, second year in the league. If he can't handle full workload for 16 games, Boston Scott could come in, and he really can replicate the same type of skills that Sanders has. And so he could end up being really valuable if Sanders goes down or needs to split carries and, and receptions. So he's the most exciting guy here. But, yeah, I don't I don't love any of these guys. They're, they're just kind of placeholders on a team. So moving on to the players that you do love, uh, Tier 8 – which is everyone else. Um, yeah, it's basically everyone else that's could pot, that you might even be worth considering drafting in a super deep league. Yeah, the I mean, there's handcuffs. Um, there's a couple players that might be interesting more so in like cash games. People like Jamal Williams or Rashad Penny, um, maybe Jalen Samuels, uh, maybe Duke Johnson. So yeah, tier tier seven was Ronald Jones, Philip Lindsay, Carryon Johnson, Boston Scott, Keyshawn Vaughn, LaShawn McCoy, Marlon Mack. Tier eight, we got. Oh, here we go. Right Don't here. even read them all. Like the, the, Duke Johnson. Tier eight, people can go to the website. Yeah, uh, Naheem Hines. No, it's Naheem Hines, right? Oh yeah. Uh, Alexander Madison, Ito Smith, Chris Thompson, Jamal Williams, Antonio Gibson, Tony Pollard, Zach Moss. Rashad Penny, Joshua Kelly, Jalen Samuels, Frank Gore. Those are players that I might stash on my bench, like uh, Rashad Penny, um, Ito Smith. Is it Ito Smith? I think yep. that's how you say it. Um, Tony Pollard, Jamal Williams, Alexander Madison. Those are players that like I'm going to have on my bench and hopefully get excited to maybe play them one day if somebody gets hurt. That's yeah, exactly. I, I think the only... You know, Duke Johnson and Chris Thompson and Naheem Hines theoretically have a role in their offense, even with the featured backs still healthy. But just none of them are getting enough work to be fantasy relevant in anything but this, the, you know, a 16-team keeper league or something, and your team's struggling for flex spots. Like, it's there's just nothing here. These are these are just guys so you have less keeping your mind if you're looking for a team backup or – you know, after week one, somebody goes down, you know where to look to find a replacement for them. And so um, one thing, I I actually lean the opposite way than you do on back uh, handcuffing studs, stud running backs with uh, the other person on their team, like Alexander Madison for uh, Dalvin Cook. I lean the other way because what we're noticing in baseball is that the people that are getting COVID, it's not because they get it from playing the game. They get it from, like, the clubhouse and the locker yeah. room um, and being together for extended periods of time. And I agree with you. They're probably going to um, keep players apart, like keep handcuffs away from each other, um, or at least that's what they should do. But after a game is over, 
when everyone's sweating and breathing profusely, they're all going to walk into the same locker room together. And I think... Oh, yeah. I mean, now I think you're just getting into, like, can an NFL team make it a week in a game situation without getting COVID, you know, spread across the room? And when Alexander Madison comes to sit down on the bench, like, not Alexander Madison, when Dalvin Cook comes to sit down on the bench and he's winded, who's he going to sit next to? Are they going to be social distancing? Like... Is he going to sit next to Alexander Madison? Is he going to sit next to Kirk Cousins? Is he who's he who's he going to sit next to? Because if he's sitting next to Alexander Madison, right, and he's breathing like, <sighs> and just getting off off the field, like there's a really good chance that if he has it, Alexander Madison's going to get it, or whoever he's sitting next to is going to get it, assuming that um, Dalvin Cook has it. I I just don't see. I think you. If, if you want to get really deep on this, like draft players, draft backups from states that actually do a good job with this, like draft Saquon Barkley's backup if you have CMC. Who is Saquon's Barkley's backup? I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, so that's my point. But like, that's the thing. Like, to an extent, you're like, yes, that might work. If you have and, Ezekiel LA, certainly... draft Alexander Madison. I mean, that's certainly the high upside play, but I, you know, because that gives you, if, if Cook goes down, then you have two top, instead of just having Elliott, you have Elliott and another top 20 running back in Alexander Madison, versus if Cook goes down and you draft a Cook and Madison, you still just have the same thing. You just have a slightly worse RB1. Um, so that's certainly an upside play. I just think that's gambling more. You're You're looking like, okay, so... Cook no, I disagree. It, but Madison didn't. Like you're still counting on Madison not getting COVID when Cook does. I think your argument might be better is better suited to just say, don't even bother drafting a backup because they're most likely going to be out. I think um, so. Let, let's let's assume for a second. Let's operate under the assumption that these players live. A lot of these majority of these players live in the state that they're playing football in. I mean, certainly during the season they do. Yeah. So let's say Alexander Madison and and um, Dalvin Cook live in Minnesota. Like the way that they live their daily lives is going to be different than say uh, Ezekiel Elliott and uh, Tony Pollard because of the state that they live in. And so the way that they act, the way that they act around other people, it, like in the locker room on the bench. Like, it's going to be different than the way Alexander Madison and and Dalvin Cook act around each other. So if I have Ezekiel Elliott, I think there's a much higher chance. I, I would much rather choose Alexander Madison than Tony Pollard. But so, at the so same I, time, I think Ezekiel Elliott has a higher chance of getting COVID than Dalvin Cook. So it's it's weird. It's it's You got to go, like, deep mind game stuff. <laughs> If you really I mean, want you, to get into you it. can take it there, yeah, if you really want to. I mean, in that, then, you know, better stay away from the Dolphins, the Buccaneers, the Falcons. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, no athlete can help themselves but go out for some adult inter- entertainment in Florida and Atlanta. <laughs> but, um, but no, I hear you. I mean, I think, you know, we've mentioned we're going to do a whole, I think, a whole podcast on how to, you know, 
prepare for and react to COVID-related issues this season, assuming they don't just shut down the league at some point, then you don't have to worry anymore. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I think you can go about it a whole bunch of different ways. It, you know, all in all, I think the biggest upside, especially for running backs, is you want if you're if you have two starting running back spots, you know, let alone if there's a flex spot as well. But you want then at least three solid running backs that could be that you'd be happy to plug in as your starters, because I think injury risk, you know, missing the risk of missing games is so much higher this year than it is in any year, even though the NFL is a high injury sport. Like I, and that's why for a lot of these guys, like Dalvin Cook, I discount his injury history a lot. Because I think it's way more likely even a guy like Dalvin Cook gets COVID and misses a month than it is that he gets injured and misses a month. Yeah, I agree with that. So, I, you know, I think everyone has injury risk this year, and that's the biggest takeaway is you need to prepare for that every starter on your team might go down without, you know, on the Saturday before the game without any notice. So just something to keep in mind as you draft. And that should do it for our 2020, Brian's 2020, uh, running back tier list. And Steven's incredibly wrong thoughts on it. I See, here's the thing. All right. So when I look at these things, I'm, I'm not somebody that watches every NFL game. I don't keep up with all the NFL news. But I have played this. I have done um, fantasy for well over like 15 years and all of those times all of those years i almost never place below third place i'm usually top one or two doesn't matter if i'm a work league or a family league or a friend league or 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 some sort of money league okay i'm almost always in the top two or three and it, it's not it's not because i read all of the stats it's because I know the game, and I can tell when a player is good, and I can see trends when I'm looking at the stats. So I could open up someone like, uh, if I was comparing Adrian Peterson with Matt Breida, I can open up both of their stat sheets, see who they're playing, see how they scored, see see what the stat lines were, and then I can make an uh, a educated assumption as to who's going to be better this season. And I think that it doesn't. You don't necessarily have to be a stat geek, which I think is the way that fantasy football is going to have success. So that that's my little two cents. I'll let you have it there. I I don't disagree with what you're saying. I I, I think finding one or two podcasts or articles that you follow that you think give good advice is all you need. Because yeah, you always have the people like me out there that way overanalyze everything that will sum it up for you if you need uh, or you know any other you know fancy analyst they try to do the same thing so yeah I totally agree and I think that's the harder skill is how to take the information you're presented and turn it into good decisions and with that um, we'll leave you no, we're uh, check out the check out the website um, for the tier lists and the upcoming tier list as well and some I don't know, valuable fantasy insight, I guess. Uh, it's hard to tell if things are valuable until after you've consumed what they're being talked about. But um, I guess you can, we're, giving, we're telling you pre, to presume ahead of time that it's going to be this, valuable. 
This is oh. a meandering ending here. It just keeps. This is like the Lord of the Rings of podcasts. It has like five. The Return endings. of the King. The Return of the King. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. All right. Fine. Check out the podcast. <laughs> Check out the Twitter page. Get the links. Click on them. Read it. Give comments. Um, subscribe. Thank you. I feel like I should say like peace out or something. Adios.